Let us worship God. reading from the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, beginning with the 19th verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that your word might fall afresh upon us this day. Amen. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hand and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Creator has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Send by my God and mine, my hands are ready now to make the world a place in which communion comes. Send by my God and mine, my hands are ready now to make the world a place in which communion comes. again. Thank you for having me back. It is always a pleasure. Let me begin by reading the second portion of the scripture for the day. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but those are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of God. So this passage, very interesting. I'm a very skeptical person, and so I often have questions, and I have questions about this passage. We see that Jesus delivers this line that you have believed because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen. I think it was this line in part that contributed to the moniker that many of us may be familiar with of Doubting Thomas, right? I have been called a Doubting Thomas by my parents if I were to question them. It has a negative connotation. And I have questions about that. I mean, first of all, Jesus coming back from the dead, whether you think this is an event that happened for real or if you think this is a metaphor, either way, either way, it seems to me most rational people, at least I, would have some questions. Namely being, is this legit? Uh, you know, is this, is this a magic trick? I've, I've seen really cool magic tricks where people reappear. Is this one of those? Uh, is this an apparition or a ghost? Well, how would you find that out? I like Thomas's approach. I'm going to poke it with a stick and <laughs> see if this, is, if this is real or not. I like it. So, spoiler alert, my sermon today, titled Courageous Curiosity, is going to push back a bit on this moniker of Doubting Thomas. Perhaps we have not done justice to Thomas. Now, Thomas is interesting, doesn't have very many lines in the book of John. But one of the lines that Thomas has seems to suggest that Thomas was ride or die, quite literally. It's one of the things that he says, like, oh, we're going to have to die? Okay, bet, let's say less. Thomas was ready to go. So how then, how do we get to where we are now in this passage? When I look at it from a human aspect, it seems to make some sense. 
Yes, it's easy to be hurrah, hurrah, let's do it, go team, when things are going well. And for a while, things were going very well. Jesus is moving back and forth between the countryside, going all over the place. Miracles are happening. People are getting healed. It seems like large, very large crowds are following Jesus. So, you know, it's like, hey, as a disciple, I'm not the only one. We all see something real and tangible and important in this movement. Now, it's one thing to say I'm willing to die, and it's another thing when death comes knocking at your door, when the fear sets in. Many of the disciples, most of the disciples, were no longer physically next to Jesus when Jesus was on the cross and leading up to the cross. Many had scattered. Well, now we have the upper room gathering of most of the disciples, but noticeably, Thomas is not present. Thomas is not there. And I have questions. Why would Thomas not be there? Sure, maybe we could think that Thomas was less of a disciple, less committed. But again, that doesn't really sound like Thomas up to this point. My oldest brother, a few years ago, our mother passed away. And he took, he took up all of these tasks, these, these mundane, laborious jobs that needed to be done in order to settle the estate. I remember being on the phone with him one time and talking about that, expressing my appreciation. And he said something along the lines of, I needed to do something. I just needed to do something. It made sense to me. Yes, in our grief, some of us sometimes will do a lot of things. Some of us will pull back, right? Our normal behavior might change. Could this be what Thomas was experiencing? Could Thomas just not sit still in his grief? Combined with all the chaos and the confusion, maybe Thomas needed to go clear his head. Maybe that's how he processes. I don't know, but I can think of several reasons, positive ones, why Thomas may not have been in that room. Also, interestingly enough, the rest of the disciples seem to know where to find Thomas. It doesn't seem like Thomas just took off and disappeared into the ether because after noticing Thomas wasn't there, the disciples went and told Thomas, hey, Jesus is back, which is where we get the response. Well, I'm not going to believe it until I see it and touch it. So he didn't disappear. He didn't disavow everything. This still seems to be someone very committed. And once again, Thomas shows up. Jesus invites Thomas, go ahead. Ask your questions. 
seek your proof, didn't seem to really push back. And really, Jesus had just invited the rest of the disciples to do that before Thomas even showed up. Go ahead, look at the holes, look at my side. So I really don't think that these questions of doubting Thomas are necessarily a negative thing. And once again, when I think about it from a human standpoint, it seems to make sense to me. Because questions play a huge role in our most intimate relationships. Think about it. Your family, maybe growing up, you're a young child, you've just come home from school, whoever raised you likely would ask you some of the same questions every day. How was school? How did it go? Do you have any homework? Now, these questions may be annoying. We may decide that these questions are not worthy of our time. You're asking me the same questions over and over. It's similar when we get older and we start working. We meet up with our friends, or maybe we come home to a spouse, and what do we ask? How was your day? How was work? Again, these questions may seem mundane. But what if the questions stop? What if someone is no longer interested in who you are, and how you're doing, and how's your health, and what about the kids? It's probably not a positive sign. It's probably not something that is going to continue to enrich your relationship. So I embrace questions. I embrace curiosity. And I was taught and retaught that lesson shortly before I moved out here. January 2017 is when I moved out here. The previous year, calendar year, I'd spent teaching math at a small private school. K through 12. So yes, counting to calculus, I was doing it all. I'd never taught before, let alone teaching math. Threw myself into it. I was willing to learn as much as I could. And I had some other things going on in my life that were not pleasant. So recently, I was at that time going through a divorce. I was coming to accept the mistakes that I'd made in that relationship and in my life more broad. And honestly, the weight of it was crushing me thought about people who I'd been dishonest with. I felt like a fake and a phony. The mistakes that I made just made me feel just stupid. I was very, very hard on myself. And I think in God's wisdom, this door opened up for me to go and teach. And since I was teaching, by nature of that, I was spending my days with children. 
And children don't seem to have this hang-up that we have. You know, we sometimes can get real prickly about who asks us questions and when they ask us questions and how they ask us questions. And we get to do that. We absolutely get to do that. Sometimes the timing is bad and sometimes questions are absolutely inappropriate. But again, children do not seem to possess this same knowledge that we have, and so the questions came early and often. And you know what? Many of them were precious. They wanted to know who I was. They wanted to know where did I come from. They wanted to know, did I grow up in the area? Do I have brothers? What about my parents? What do my parents do? It was sweet, and it was warm, and I treasure it. I'll never forget one day a child looking down at my arm, rubbing it back and forth like this, then looking up at me and saying, that's a good color, and then going back to playing. And I was like, you know, so many adults in my life they would have held on to that compliment, but I appreciated it. I did. Now, at this time, as I said, I had, I felt like the weight of the world was on me, uh, but really all that weight I was putting on myself. It was a struggle for me to learn how to forgive myself, and I felt real broken. Thankfully, though, hanging out with these kids made me, once again, appreciate curiosity and appreciate questions. And so I would ask questions of myself. Well, why, Jeremiah? Why, 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 why can you forgive that person, but you can't forgive yourself? What is it that you really believe about grace and, and redemption and mercy? Because you've said these things many times in many spaces, but you're having trouble living it out. These were fantastic questions for me to ask. And I would ask questions of my God. You can do many things. Can you do this? Can you fix me and the mistakes that I've made? Can you mysteriously somehow take these mistakes and turn them into something good? Because I would love that. I asked questions. Oftentimes I didn't answers, but time would pass and things would move forward. And I remember lamenting that I, Jeremiah, the same Jeremiah who used to be so calm, why was I so agitated? The Jeremiah who in college, my friends joked because if we took a 10-minute drive in a car, I would already be asleep by the time we got to our destination. I could just sleep and just seem to be so peaceful and not a care in the world. Now I'm having trouble sleeping because my mind is racing about all the things that I need to do. Will I ever 
be the same again. Now, I choose to look at Doubting Thomas this way, who once was so bold, and yet now was going through this perhaps questioning time, which again makes sense considering the circumstances. It seems like the world is falling apart, certainly the world that Thomas knew, upside down. And Thomas is now questioning. Well, here's what I have to offer. The administrator, administrator for the school, had a very young daughter. And at the end of, at the end of the spring semester, we all went as faculty, we went uh, to, to the beach. We rented a condo and we decided to just do a little vacay. It was fantastic. So Chris's daughter's out playing in the sand, and some of the other kids are in the water swimming around. But Chris's daughter is not comfortable in the water. Hasn't learned to swim yet. But when I look out, it seems like she wants to play with the other girls. So I pulled Chris this side and said, hey, I'm going to see if she wants to go into the water. But, and this is one of the things I loved about the school, very much enthusiastic consent, right? So I'm like, look, if she doesn't want to go, I'm not going to pressure her. I'm not going to do anything. Chris would trust me. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sure. So sure enough, going up to a child who's busy playing in the, in, in the sand, in the dirt, having a great time. I reach down, and I hold my hand out, and she takes it. Okay? Start walking towards the water. I look down, no hesitation. All right. You cool? I'm cool. <laughs> water starts to get to our feet. To our shins, well, hers, I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, next thing you know, she is, she's on a float, and we're just out there in the waves, you know, with these other girls, just laughing and giggling and having a good time. And when we were done, we came back, and Krista was like, I, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> because she has never done that. A few years ago, when I was recalling that story, I contacted Krista and I was like, yeah, do you remember, do you remember that time? And in tears, she, she shared with me, you know what? <laughs> she swims like a fish now. <laughs> and that's when it all started. One of the lessons I take away from that is that this Jeremiah who used to, at one point, be calm and peaceful and used to be able to extend that somehow to other people, it was still there. It didn't go away. All the ways that the world had tempered me did not destroy who I am. 
and the gifts that I have. But sometimes we have to go back and, you know, we got to move some of these things out of the way. We got to experience some healing before we can reclaim those things about ourselves. And to this day, it is one of the things that I love about myself the most is that somehow I have this ability to give other people confidence in themselves, a feeling of safety. It makes no sense to me because <laughs> I feel like I am just a stumbling, bumbling person just like anybody else. But it's one of the gifts that I have. Now, I think Thomas similarly reclaimed something about himself. You know, Thomas went, some think maybe as far as China, preaching the gospel, kind of settled in India. That same bold Thomas, he didn't go anywhere. It was still there. But thankfully, Thomas took a pause, took some time when he needed to, to be curious about himself and about Thomas's God. So I am going to share a song with you. It's not really a uh, particularly Christian song. However, it has some elements of reclaiming yourself. It has some elements of finding and refinding who you are. I hope it is a gift to you. Take my soul, take my heart. Tear me apart. If I'm good for anything, it's all of this suffering. So use me for parts. To you, I'm just salvage. I ain't ran right in years. So drive me, then gut me. Deceive me, then chuck me. Then disappear. Well, take all my jokes and tell them to them and act like you're someone who could be someone worth loving and steal all my good parts that you found in me yeah, you sell them quick, you'll sell them cheap, or you'll give them for free. But I cleaned all my pistons, I'm running on 91. Piecing myself back off the shelf, one by one. And now I've got a driver who chooses the high road 
They don't use me for scraps or throw my butt back when I hit potholes. And I'm flying down the freeway, going 117. And a 68 fastback looks like a hatchback racing me. Oh, and I, I believe you cannot tear down what's built up strong now, thankfully. And now I'm driving down that freeway, going 117, and a 68 fastback looks like a hatchback next to me. We are called to love others the way that we love ourselves. And how can we love others or ourselves if we do not know others and ourselves fully? So ask questions. Be curious about yourself, others, and your God. And may the richness that is built in your relationships speak to the truth of all of our worth. Amen. As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Every 
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us with questions and curiosity, with bread and with community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth and wade into the water, courageous with curiosity, reclaiming the gift of who you are. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches, it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.